1: Hello everyone, welcome along to our latest episode of the GAA podcast, a hurling weekend, a couple of things to pick out, tipperary motoring, cork stuttering, Clare moving well and there's barely a word about the All-Ireland Champions Limerick, which is no surprise. We're going to chat about the state of the nation in hurling funding as well. Shane Dowling joins myself and Rory this week. How are you keeping Shane?
2: I'm good Jackie, yeah, back into the swing of things now, so that nice bit of time off and uh, I was just saying it was my son's Christmas Saturday, so uh things have definitely changed over the last couple of months, but really looking forward now to getting back into the swing of things. Well, uh, congratulations, congratulations.
1: Congratulations. Yeah, congratulations. It's a whole new life
2: for you now, Shane. <laughs> that goes <laughs> what I was saying, but uh, yeah, so it was a it was a madhouse house it's, uh, it's even matter now.
1: Yeah.
0: I mean change changing nap easy.
2: Dab hand at this stage, I'd say. Shane. You can nearly do one hand at this stage, Rory.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'd say there's a lot of people who uh, definitely have felt mm. that boat over the last few years. Well, mm-hmm. congratulations. Delighted to have you yes. back in action for it all. Let's start with the game of the weekend then in Thurles, because certainly felt to me, Shane, like there was a championship vibe about this. Yeah. Lots of talk about Eamon O'Shea going back down there. The biggest thing to note over the weekend is lots of people have been talking about Liam Cahill's under 20s, that they were coming. They were coming. look to me at the weekend like they. Are going to be the backbone of this team come the championship. The way that they're motoring now, they're really, really firing.
2: They are, and to be honest, like they were probably the form team in the championship last year for for long periods up until maybe just obviously they they, they, they kind of limped out of it quite poorly against Galway uh, last year. But I mean, they did a really, really good league. I mean, they were within a couple of minutes of popping the ball beating Limerick, and at one stage last year, they were nearly not knocking Limerick out of the All Ireland uh, Championship because depending on how the result was going to go down in Ennis with Carr versus Clare. So, listen. I've been honest, you know, I'd say not that many people follow me, but for any foolish people that do and have uh, listened to my commentary over the last while, even in Waterford, I've been a massive fan of Liam Cahill and Mikey Beavins. I think they've done an exceptional job down there. Uh, you know, okay, people say, well, they didn't win much, you know, but they still can't, like, the only team to beat them for a couple of years was Limerick. Um, you know, they obviously did a very good job with Tip uh, Underage as well, and now they're they're showing it at senior level, so it's no surprise to me how Tip area are going, and I don't know if if he's going to get away with a team in transition or the under-20s. I don't know if he's going to get away with that this year. I think there's a team there now on the panel that are are coming nicely. And, you know, I heard Liam saying it last night, just that he's maybe timing it a bit better this year. Because ultimately... Uh, you know, I suppose he won't get away with it this year if the same thing happens. He needs to ensure that there's a bit of longevity or at least that they perform at a much higher level at the latter end of this uh, at the championship. So, um, and, and listen, I don't know was the scoreline a fair reflection on the game. I think the Bray were eight points up and did a really good goal chance uh, that was missed and then Godwin went down and got a point. So I think they were a lot better valued than I know the goal obviously at the end made it look a bit more better, but um, yeah, they were very impressive.
1: And I think what you have to come back into that team as well, Rory, you know, Jason Ford, Kyle Barrett, Noel McGrath, you know, Shane's right. Maybe it's just all about timing it, trying to get the right balance there. But he looked impressed with what he's seen over the last couple of weeks.
0: There'll be fantastic competition for places, which is exactly where um, Liam Cahill will want to be uh, heading into the back end of the league. It's a perfect league for them in many ways. They've had, you know, possibly their two toughest matches at the start, which is Dublin and Galway, and they've come out of those with four points they can really now start to focus big time they're going to be in the top three which will qualify for the league next year they will probably be in a semi-final which will give them an, one massively competitive game in advance which will be fantastic prep for Munster championship and i think this these next two weeks now will be an awful lot of like i presume given the given that you're in heading into break week where a lot of teams will engage in quite a serious amount of physical preparation. So I think when you come into that, that little bit of a break week and you've come on the back of a couple of wins, your momentum is good. The spirit will be very good in the camp. They're starting to find a couple of players The form of Garrod O'Connor, if you're picking her of the year right now, two weeks in and the first week of February, he probably be, you know, the front runner. Outstanding in the Fitzgibbon, outstanding. He two-man-of-the-match performances back-to-back, you know, can take the freeze. He's certainly a handful up front, and um, he, they have a plenty of um, options in the back, in the defence as well. I think Ronan Mayer is certainly settling into that fullback role. He's very mobile, so he gives you a, a different kind of dimension in that regard. Are you robbing Peter to pay Paul? They have lots of Peters and lots of Pauls to rob, so I think it's a good position for them to be in. So I think, you know, Tipperary and good fettle.
1: Yeah. What about Galway then, Shane? Because. <laughs> For parts of that game, you saw a Galway team who are starting to click. It's very early in the season. And I heard, in fairness, I was listening to Liam Sheedy last night saying, give Eamon O'Shea summer ball with these lads and they'll be playing well. And you can definitely get a sense that this is a team in a different place right now. But what do you make of what you've seen from them so far?
2: Listen, obviously not going to get carried away two weeks in, but... I think this is uh, it's year three of Henry now and uh, they need something. There's no point in saying otherwise. Uh, and like, yeah, again, listen to Liam saying, give and O'Shea and Summer Ball, but they need that. They need something. Um, but they're not that far away. They only need to get minor improvements. I mean, if you look at the last two years, I mean, two years ago, you know ren limerick to the wire and again last year i mean for 25 minutes of that first half and i know a game has played over 75 minutes not 25 minutes but it's there it just hasn't been continued uh, and they have they have very very skillful players and very very skillful forwards but they haven't they just haven't come to fruition i suppose in the big days in the last couple of years and that's exactly I'd, I'd imagine what Henry's going looking for is that can aim and just bring that you know extra couple of percent that's needed because they have the players they have the quality. But I just don't know if they got to... And, and I know where consistency in Galway has been kind of turned around for maybe a good number of years now. Um, But they were poor yesterday for large stages. And I mean, what what they were actually poor at is is hurling, not work ethic or anything like that. There were so many balls going to ground, uh, missed passes. I mean, their goalie was very lucky to get away, to give a hand pass and nearly intercepted. So that's what I was saying earlier on about the scoreline. I don't think it was a fair reflection on actually how the game panned out. Um, So the question I'm asking is, you know, where are they at hurling-wise? I'd say they're a long way away. I'd say, that, I, I don't know, but I'd imagine having a whole pile of work done. And like everything, they're not going to be judged on the league. They need to get major honours this year. And I'd imagine no different than maybe Tipperary and a lot of counties, they are now time and run for the latter stages because it looked to me, maybe I'm wrong, that Eamon O'Shea probably has no whole pile of work done. Judging on what the hurling was like yesterday, I thought Tipperary were miles better.
1: Yeah. Listen, they're not the only county in that same boat. There was a lot of counties who look like they're not hurling too much at this point of the year. Let's move on to a couple of the other matches. The waterford Clare one is interesting, Rory, because I do think everybody talked about, you know, Waterford getting back into Walsh Park. We're going to see something. It's going to happen. Same thing. Same thing we're seeing with this Waterford team. They're falling away in the second half. From a Clare point of view, though, for Brian Lowen to be able to go there to get two wins from two and they're now in that same position as Tipperary where they're comfortably in the top three probably now. Their passage looks pretty pretty safe given the way that they're going and I think he'll be nicely happy with where they're going.
0: Oh, I think hugely happy, Jackie. I think um, Clare, for me, are definitely ranked number two um, yeah. and maybe by a little bit of a distance at this stage. I think they've consistently shown, to be fair to them, that they're the one team that can give Limerick the most trouble. I think that's probably going to bear out again, potentially this year. It's early days, I know, but he's got a lot of depth. I mean, Ed McCarthy looks like a fella that spent the whole winter in the gym. There's a marked difference in terms of his physical preparation. And I think he's an example, really, for players that might want to make that step up, particularly certain county that's not too far from home, you know, in terms of what you can actually achieve. Um. They have John Conlon was back yesterday. They still have the likes of Tony, Tony Kelly and Shane O'Donnell to come back into the mix. They're after finding a couple of players. Did a lad play in midfield? I I'll be straight up. I didn't. I had not heard a whole pile about Sean Ryan before. Unbelievable! Unbelievable! The the form of David Fitzgerald, Cahill, Malone. You know, I think Clare for me are. In an unbelievable position and I think they will be right in there for all the major honours this season. I think Brian as I mentioned last night, will sleep well. I think it was very, very happy bus going home and, um, you know, a fantastic opening couple of rounds, certainly for Claire.
1: I heard Brian Lowen saying afterwards, he was asked, you know, he obviously still has 11 players involved in Fitzgibbon as well, Shane, which is a juggling act in itself. And he was kind of asked, are you going to rest them? Are you going to give them a break? And he was like, here, they're only two weeks into the season, you know? Mm. So it sounded to me like he was like, look, uh, let me take responsibility for what this team is going to do. And it sounded, maybe he doesn't want to win the league, who knows? But he he was pretty gung ho about trying to get as many of them involved in as many matches as he possibly can to get a real look at, at where he's going
2: this is it and like you know we all know the way the monster championship is and you know how hard it's going to be when the time comes around so i think what we're seeing in more recent times than maybe previous times you know when the new um, monster round robin is management teams know that they need to have a huge amount of depth in their squad even if you're the full body a full deck to pick from you're still going to pick up injuries along the way you're still going to have tired bodies that's if you're the full deck now if you don't have a full deck now you need even more people again like so you do need 24 26 people and it's not 20 anymore um, it might be 20 or 21 as i said if you've everyone available to you but it could be 24 25 and i think that's what management teams are trying to you know look at now and see right who can I actually bring into this twenty four or five people that I can go to war with over that monster championship time? And that's exactly what Brian is doing. So he's probably in one way delighted that he has eleven lads that he doesn't have to worry about right now because that's given game time to the to the people that Rory said there a while ago. Uh, so he is in a very strong position, and you could say the same with Davy. You know, he has a lot of bodies that are out injured at the minute. Yeah. The, the beauty for him is the bodies that are out injured are. And proven I don't know if that's the right word but they're there for a long number of years anyway he knows exactly what he has with them uh, and that's then given other lads opportunities to play like they did yesterday and they will also learn okay who can I go to war with ahead of you know in the next couple of months but I judge Ward for that with body language yesterday and while there was a home game against obviously Claire with all that's going on with him and Brian Law and etc etc it was a case of that, it, you just move on. I didn't see any urgency in anything yesterday, including their play, by the way. I thought they were quite poor for, for a lot of the game. Um, but I don't think he's going to be worried now because, again, Davey has openly said, don't judge me after year one, judge me after year two. And if I don't do anything in year two, well, or maybe year three, if he gets that far, well, you know, so he knows he's under pressure now as well.
1: But if he if Stephen Bennett's injury was more serious, who knows, it looked like a hamstring injury yesterday. If he was to be without him, that is a different scenario where even if it's only a couple of weeks, missing him for one championship game uh, in early April could be a complete swing of a match for them.
2: Good. But you need again, you need every when you're trying to make a breakthrough coming on the back of the year that they had last year. You know, he's going to want to get, he's going to not want to go around saying, oh, he was missing or he was missing. He's yeah, going to yeah, say, yeah. we have everybody now. I don't want any more excuses. And actually, I was reading one or two of the interviews of the Waterford Selectors over the last couple of weeks. And I just get the feeling they're done with excuses. Uh, I think they just want everyone to be there. I say the players have taken a good look at themselves and they know that they need to step up to the plate this year. Because you can't just always go blame the managers. Essentially, yeah. it's the players have to step up as well.
1: Look, we've talked a lot about Waterford, so we'll leave them aside for the moment because there's another big issue. We need to talk about Rory and sadly, it's Cork again. (laughs) Um, After watching them at the weekend, are you any more convinced that they are solving problems? Because there was elements of their play on Saturday night that were very encouraging. But yet again, they're scratching their head. No points after two games.
0: Mm -hmm. I heard. I think I heard Liam describe Liam Sheedy on last night's show describe their first twenty minutes as abysmal. I go. Str- I'd be stronger than that. It was borderline disgraceful. You are playing Kilkenny, a traditional rival, going back I don't know how many years. You've your first home match in Super Value Parky Quive. Hurling our football. The leagues are back since the 27th of January. So this is the first time the Cork public were going to be going down there, relatively big numbers. There was the 20, 16,000 20,
1: people or something. There was or... like
0: 16,500, but that's paid in. That doesn't include children. So there was probably 20, maybe more than 20,000 down there. And for them to play the way they did in the first 20 minutes was beyond baffling. I could not understand it. It was like... Fifteen lads that had met each other below in the Roadstone Park Hotel for the first time, and got the bus up to Parky Quay afterwards. It was bizarre. Now I couldn't, I could make head nor tail of it. I mean, Kilkenny set the tone, they set the pace. Everything about them was quick, fast, efficient. Cork was so passive, disengaged. Now they rallied just before half time. Conor O'Callaghan, who I think potentially is a little bit of a find at midfield and could potentially force his way into the team. He scored a goal, which I think maybe gave him a little bit of a lift and they scored 1-4 without reply. But it was atrocious. Like I just, it was so disappointing. And I think it would have definitely angered Pat. Um, I think we saw a bit of a reaction in the second half where maybe they could have actually sneaked a win in the end, but it would have been a disservice. I think something that I definitely noticed as well, Jackie, and this isn't particular particular to this game on Saturday night, is when a team allows another team an 8, 9, 10 point lead. And invariably, what we have seen in the past is teams will reestablish themselves in that game, but it will usurp. And drain so much energy to actually get that comeback into such an order that what I've noticed is a sort of a pattern whereby the team that has allowed the comeback to happen almost get a little bit of a pit stop and for the last 10 minutes push on and end up winning the game anyway because you've allowed yourself to be, you know, so far behind initially like nine eight nine points behind and after 20 minutes it was just horrendous but i think you have to give kilkenny massive credit as well i think again when you talk about teams in good fettle do you lachlan gale's lads are starting to kind of drift, drift back into the panel you know, he's found one or two players mikey carey coming back is huge plus for them i thought he was outstanding he took him off tw- uh, i think about 15 minutes ago but i'd say to empty the tank at that stage And um, they deserved their win, to be perfectly honest. I felt that it would have been a total disservice had they not gone out of Parky Creve on Saturday night with two pints.
1: Yeah, I thought Kilkenny were full value for it. And to be fair, given what had happened with them the previous week in Wexford, that's a big statement by Derek Ling, I think, Shane, for Kilkenny to be able to come down there to get that victory. It probably says as much about their team. Yes, the, the Cork issues are well put there by Rory but let's focus on Kilkenny for a minute and how important this victory on the road is for them
2: I'll focus on them in two seconds but just to touch on Cork before we move on for them right I was working at the um, the, for the the opening game there last year um, Cork versus Limerick
1: mm-hmm. uh,
2: and Cork won and you'd swear Cork to win the other and stand an ovation players coming off the field and, you know it was the first or second week in February as well it was as if this was the greatest thing that has happened Cork hurling in so long and um, I actually think what happened the weekend will be a good thing for Cork. Because now they'll have a reference reference point, right? It was so bad that they'll actually now go and review it and talk about it. Whereas if they, like, beat Limerick last year, big win, they'll move on, they'll move on, and then they just get caught. Whereas now they'll be able to take a step back and actually realise the problems that are there and go after it. So sometimes I think things like that, if you can catch them earlier on in the year, they could turn out to be a benefit. I don't know, will it, by the way? But,
1: but But the problem is, though, Shane, right? It's a very quick turnaround to work that out because you've got Waterford coming to the park again in two weeks time. Then you're away for your final two games against Offaly and Wexford. And they now have to win all of them, basically, to secure their top flight for next season. So you can talk about like learning these lessons and all that. But if they don't learn them quickly, they're going to be learning them in a whole lot of different space next year in Division Two.
2: I agree, and I've been Cork's biggest critic over the last couple of years because I have just seen them play games where it's just kind of been non-contact hurling, and uh, I don't know, have we seen enough evidence that that's going to change this year? I'm just saying, uh, you'd rather something like that to happen now rather than waiting for it in the of the Championship, but to go back to Kilkenny, I mean, it's of no surprise probably to any of us here that they're able to come and produce a performance like that. Mm-hmm. Have they gotten enough credit over the last couple of years Possibly not. As, as Rory said there, the likes of Mikey Carey back is huge for them as well. You know, Derek Ling now was after learning last year. Um, so again, they probably haven't got the credit that they deserve. But you you the one thing you always know what you're gonna get with Kilkenny is what you don't know what you're gonna get with Cork. They're always gonna you know, yeah. that's that's just the bottom line.
1: Yeah. Therein lies the problem, Rory.
0: That's it, yeah. And it's absolute like that is it in a nutshell. You were like, there are certain non negotiables with Kilkenny, and that is work rate, you know, the application, 100% commitment, going for every ball, never giving up, and playing full on, full blooded, like 100% for 70 minutes. And if that's not good enough, they take their beat and they move on. That's a non negotiable with Kilkenny. That we did not see that for the first 20 minutes on Saturday night from Cork, and they're in. Exactly, as Shane said, lies the problem.
1: Yeah. Well, problems for them to sort out. Let's move on because there was drama, like a huge amount of drama in both Wexford and Antrim in the other games at the weekend. You look at the Wexford one first, Shane, and they eventually snatched a draw with 13 men. But it seemed to me like a lot of talk around that Jack O'Connor red card when you look at it. I think the difficulty for Sean Stack at the time was that He only saw the aftermath of the hand moving out and he sent him off rightly because he did interfere with the face guard. Whatever Jack O'Connor felt about it, if you do that, you're gone. The thing is, David King is clearly grabbing his face guard as well, and it should have been none or both of them. And that's and I think, listen, by the letter of the law, they both should have got sent off. But the anger around Wexford Park over it was probably rightly felt. It was.
2: Do we mention the war and bring up VAR or, or health referee? I think. It, I think
1: it has but, to get
0: there. But it's a. But it's a. It's a really interesting point, though, Shane, on VAR because what would happen in that scenario? Let's say if you have a contentious call and somebody says, "Okay, I want to contest that through VAR." Mm-hmm. So awfully say we or Wexford say we want to contest that. So they say, "Okay, well, we're going to stand over a decision," but instead. Instead of Jack O'Connor being confirmed for his red, we're gonna send off another fella as well. So
2: it kind of like like it's it's you know it's, you, it's all a laugh and a joke now, right? Mm-hmm. Imagine that was a, imagine that was a Leinster final yeah. ten minutes ago or 15 minutes ago. You know, so it, it's uh, as I said, <laughs> you need a full pod to talk about that in the pros and the cons to it. But it, was, it was, listen, and that's the, this is the piece about John Stack and any other referee, right? He saw that in a real split second. Absolutely. Perfect, yeah. So, like, there is no point here in blaming Sean Sack because if he thought he saw the fell fellow putting the helmet, well, he would have got sent off as well. But he just yep. didn't see. Right? Absolutely. And then, but and he needs people, to be helped. Exactly. But any he left he's well, it is his job to spot these things. Yeah, but he's human. So referee is going to miss all these things loads of times. You know, what about Lingard Gordon missing the 11 steps uh, in the in the in the in the in the game, Claire Waterford with the water goal? They're going all these things are going to be there. So um listen, it was probably disappointing from Wexford, but they clung on in this day and age. Would um, Wexford Terry be expected to beat an Offaly team down there? Yes, they would. But again, do you um, say, was disappointed from Wexford or do you compliment Offaly? I would say probably compliment Offaly. And again, you know, for them, for people that did um, tune into the show last night, I thought there were some unbelievable clips shown as to the effort and application that Offaly showed. And that's all any manager can ask for.
1: Yeah, and I think that, to be honest, Rory, when you're looking at the work that's being done there, that would have been a step up for Offaly. And I think they are proving to people that, you know, when we're talking about the wider picture of what's being done for Hurling, it seems to me, looking from the outside in, that the right things are being done in Offaly.
0: And they have, in Brian Dighton, um, an unbelievable target man. You know, I think it was a 1-6 in the end. Mm-hmm. Uh, like a top-class player. I think... Their reaction on the full-time whistle would give you an indication that they probably felt this was definitely a point dropped. They, what an opportunity to go to Exford Park, get two points on the board, potentially stay, you know, go after maybe, given what the travels in Cork, etc. They wouldn't necessarily hold too many fears of playing them at the minute. So I think it was an opportunity missed. I mean, ultimately, I know the second sending off happened so late. But it was against thirteen men, and I think from that point of view, it was they will feel that maybe they left a point after them. But played played unbelievable hurling. I think it, there was a couple of things that struck me in terms of the game itself. Like, it was firstly, it was fantastic to see a match under lights in Wexford Park, because that's yeah. the first time that we've seen it obviously this season and on on TV. Um, the national anthem beforehand. There was a little girl sang the national anthem beforehand. What a performance! What a performance. And we've heard it about rugby and the little lad that sang it yesterday in the Aviva. But the girl who sang the national, I think she's only nine or ten. Like she just, like it was incredible. Um, I think the big thing from a Wexford point of view, they're gonna have an issue you now because those two red cards are straight red cards. So they'll potentially, unless they contest them, they're gonna they're gonna have suspensions. They're also already missing the likes of Matthew O'Hanlon, uh, Rory O'Connor. Uh, Liamog McGovern and a few a few other really key you know stalwarts of their team, and so like this is obviously going to test Rossiter's panel. He's got a couple of weeks maybe to sort it out, and there'll be a couple of players that will trip trip back in. But yeah, I think look, I would say it was a point gain from Wexford in the end. It should have been a match that they should they probably would have targeted to win. I think Wexford can be quite frustrating. Going down to Nolan Park the week before but in a performance like they did against Kilkenny and then be as flat the following week at home in a game where pe- many people feel that they should win is probably classic Wexford in many ways. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, it's getting that consistency right would be a big challenge for Keith Rossiter.
1: Yep, agreed. Uh, if you thought that one was dramatic, though, Corrigan Park. I mean, I was watching the highlights of this and I just thought, what a difficult way to lose a game with Tiernan Smith in the Antrim goal, just having a one of those moments that you just don't want to watch back. But I was thinking, though, Shane, for Dublin... If they are to try to cement their own passage for next season, those important points on the road to go all the way up there. They've got Limerick at home next, which, you know, based on what we're watching with Limerick, they're still only in second gear. They're barely getting out of it and not needing to either, by the way. Then they've got to go away to Galway and they've got their final home game against Westmead. So it's an important point for Dublin on the road to go away and get two points up there with a performance that... They have been hit and miss so far this year. So they I think you know Michal will take a lot from that.
2: I actually thought Antrim would like would win the game, to be honest the weekend. Uh, like it should become a, if it if it if it comes to a surprise to anybody in the GA circles that Dolan struggled to get a win in Corrigan Park, well then they yeah. haven't been watching Antrim's performances up there over the last couple of years. I've been asked about it and Obviously, after retreating back into the goals this year with the club, I kind of get exactly how he probably feels, and I know these things happen uh, and will no doubt happen to me uh, before I finish up whenever that'll be in, in the goals, but uh, like Antrim should have won the game, right? Yeah. So it Dublin robbed it. That's the bottom line. So Mihal just wanted, like, if you offered him a one-point win before the game, I'd say he would have taken it. Um, But sometimes a one-point win isn't enough. You still like to see a decent performance. Not so sure the performance was decent, but the still got it. Uh, I- I'm not convinced on Dublin. I, I just... I'm just not convinced. Uh, you could say they're a team in transition, if you want to use that word. Uh, as you said, they've a couple of difficult fixtures coming up, um, so I just don't know are we going to see much from them this year. You know, I, what are you judging that off? opening two games in the league, possibly? Um, but overall, I think Mihal has a big job in his hands up there, uh, and I think uh, you know Darren Leeson probably would have looked and said, "Okay, Limerick first. Do I really put all my eggs in that basket now and I'm not going to win anyway or do I just keep them for that one big game against Dublin? He'd be absolutely sickened that they couldn't get a, a result there. Yes, absolutely sickened because he knows as suppose, that these games are massive up there and um, no, I'd say they are fierce disappointed. But I would say in previous years, for them to think that they could have beaten a Dublin up there would have come as a shock. I would suspect that they expected to get a win up there yesterday and that's why they're probably so disappointed.
1: Yeah, body language looked like that, Rory, to be fair. And I think Shane's right. They would have wanted and targeted that game because I think the All-Ireland Champions is probably a different prospect in, in on day one. But that Dublin game was right in the melting pot for the whole game.
0: Oh, yeah, it was a, a terrific game. And like they played some very good hurling in spells. The only issue, I suppose, in Corrigan Park, and especially at this time of the year, the wind can make play a very significant role in terms of what you do with and against it. It's a, it's quite high up as we see the mountains very close in the background and the pitch itself is quite tight and small. You you could, you know, you could see lads basically, it's certainly in the first half, Dublin were firing pints over from inside their own half-back line. From an Antrim perspective, I think, you know, it will be a bit of a sickener. and as Shane said, like, it was definitely a game that they would have targeted, but... I suppose, from Dublin's perspective, it was a difficult day for them. Obviously, the news of Shane, Han- Shane O'Hanlon breaking beforehand. There's a, there's a lot of Vincent's lads on the panel. That would have had an effect. He would have the, the lad, They would have all known him. They would have all been quite close to him. It was a big shock, I suppose, for everybody involved in Dublin circles. Um, it was very, very sudden. And I suppose, look, it was quite poignant beforehand in terms of minute silence and all of that. Did that have an effect on their performance? I don't think so. I think Luke Antrim played really good in lots of in lots of spells yes. and just unfortunately didn't get the win on the day. But you know, I think Dublin will be delighted to have gotten out of there with two points. Yeah. One
2: player, sorry, that just wasn't mentioned last night, I thought, um, was Connell was kind of Cunning. Like yeah. uh, the, the one, four, what, one five player. Like he, he was unbelievable yesterday. And uh, you know, he is a really, really quality player and you know, sometimes when Kerry play and Shane Conway plays for Kerry, it's oh, all fusing in a different county, he'd get into a lot of teams as well. Donald Conning's been an exceptional franchise mm-hmm. over the last couple of years. And I thought some of the scores he got just uh, against an opposition who would fancy themselves to go close in Leinster, I thought he was really, really good, actually. He, mm-hmm. he definitely deserves a mention.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Always good to highlight some people to be looking out for over the weekend. One uh, team that we I feel like we've hardly spoken about over the last couple of weeks, Shane, is Limerick, you know. It just Long made like last, Jackie. Yeah, they're just bubbling <laughs> away nicely. You know, I... I actually think Joe Fortune said it well last night that that was an unbelievable day for Westmeath hurling yesterday. And it's hard to quantify what a day like that means to them because they're putting it up against the All-Ireland champions, but ultimately you don't win because for Limerick, you know that they think in their heads, we're going to win this anyway. This is just the way we're motoring or whatever. But the narrative after the game, it's it's hard to know where to go with it. Because on one hand, you want to give massive credit to Westmead because they're doing Trojan work and have been doing really good things in the championship and now the league as well. But also with Limerick, just don't really know what's happening in there. So maybe you give us a sense of what both sides of that coin look like.
2: Yeah, um, I think I would more go down the road of Westmead doing really, really well than Limerick just, you know not turn up if you want to call it i mean they had a humongous win against Antrim the week before uh they still had you could call it you know same amount of starters from the from the starting 15 if you want to call it that like so uh, and they just couldn't get going you know i know it was very very um, much of a stop start game but i've been involved in my teams um you know that have gone to westmead and have won fairly comprehensively like so they, as you said, they definitely deserve a lot of credit. Uh, and I could even—I was watching John Kiley's interview afterwards. Uh, he, you could see by his body language he wasn't—he wasn't too yeah. impressed. And it just—I suppose it'll be a timely reminder to everybody in Limerick that if we have—if we do, maybe go up and play some of these teams with a soft mindset. Um, you know, this is what can happen. Uh, and like I said a while ago. About it could be good for Cork. I think yes, it could actually be a good thing for Limerick. I don't know if people want to hear that because it would, as I say, just give um, it would just give a reminder to everybody that you know we can't just take our foot off the pedal here. And the other side of it too is, you know, there there was people. Yes, they given a chance. They were given an opportunity, and they yeah. want to put their hand up to be included. And they're like, there's going to be another cut coming into Limerick panel. Very very shortly, I'd say. So there was lads probably playing yesterday, fighting for survival. There was lads playing trying to get into the panel, and then there was lads fighting to try and get into the starting fifteen. So it's not as if anyone that was playing there yesterday uh, had Black any motivation.
0: Reason. Yeah.
2: Yeah, exactly. So um, I would give full credit to Westmead if, if that's the angle I'd be going down anyway.
1: Yeah, I think. What's going on in Westmeath is kind of symptomatic of that development in the other counties, Rory. And it was one thing that was touched on this week with the the hurling and the funding and the conversation that's happening around the place. I think Joe, Joe Fortune has articulated very well what's happening in that middle bar of counties, let's say. So you can talk about the issues around the Louds and the Fermanas and, and everything that's happening there with them potentially being excluded from the league with that. A format that was proposed which like very clearly got ran down by the bulk of the hurling population but for that group in the middle Joe fortune is still talking about traveling 60 miles to go tr- training in Dublin because they don't have the facilities they still don't have the amount of clubs or players that they need to succeed. How are they ever going to get to a level where they can compete, where he can sit there justifiably on the couch and say, we ran the All-Ireland Champions really close and do it on a consistent basis where it's not just this one-off performance that's get lauded because they go and beat Wexford in the championship and everybody says, oh, they had one amazing day. Because that's not the case. They are clearly trying their hardest to do things at their very best level. But until we give them the supports to do that, I don't think that they can do that consistently.
0: It's a... Yeah, it's a big question. I mean, one of the things that came out was the challenge that they face in terms of access and facilities. Now, the only thing I would say on that is that's not exclusive or specific to teams further down the food chain. I very regularly get requests from Dublin Intercounty underage teams to come out and train on our facilities where I'm living. I know I always say no, (laughs) right? But it'll give you an indication of the challenge that is faced by teams right across the board, particularly in counties where there's a big urban population. I know Limerick have Rathkeel, which is is a club. Uh, but, fact,
2: but it, Rory Rathkeel, like just to put in context. Is... Yeah, it's not,
0: it's not, it's not, it's nothing palatial, by the way. I've been Absolutely. down there, you know, it's not like the lap of luxury in Rathkeel. I was down there only a couple of weeks ago and yeah, it's, 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 it's it's fine setup, no issues on that front. And I'm sure they have access to it when and where they need but it's certainly no centre of excellence, would that be fair, Shane?
2: That's that's a good way of putting it, chat Yeah, it's not a centre. So, like, but there's you know the, the the pitch that's there now. They just built a stand there recently, and I think there's new dress rooms in underneath the stand. But I mean, it's it's it, I don't know what the perception might be out there from people, but like Raquel, where Limerick trained for the majority of the year before the, the ground hardens up and they go into the Gaelic grounds, is, is 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 a lovely facility to have. But there's one decent pitch there. Mm. Yeah, And and you talk about Dublin underage teams, like the seniors, hurlers, and rightly so, and footballers get exclusivity to that one pitch. But for all the other teams that are there, you know, you don't get that. So Mm -hmm. all the other teams that are scrambling to go to different places. And I think, like, I was absolutely shocked and actually, I wouldn't say saddened now, it's a bit fair, but to hear Joseph that they have to travel, you know, 60 miles to to Abistone, that is just absolutely ludicrous. And I mean, the first thing that has to be looked at is to have proper facilities. So if I'm a Westmead player, I can jump into my car and I don't know whichever side of the county I'm living at. Well, then there's a proper place that we can go there and train. That's the least that should be given to to, to a county. I just couldn't believe that I heard that. And the yeah. big and
0: the. the... A much more complex part of the problem, though, Jackie, is putting depth. Depth is depth of quality and depth of player is where you're ultimately going to make massive gains. And I think a proper program of games at club level is a challenge. Uh, proper uh, coaching right across the board is a challenge. But I mentioned this to you before. Hurling is more expensive to fund it is more expensive to coach if getting football you just buy a football away you go it's jumpers for goalposts it's almost like soccer hurling you've got to buy hurley you've got to buy helmets you've got to buy slitters slitters go missing a lot (laughs) i could do the test of that okay so like it's a much more expensive game to administrate on it's a more expensive game to coach it's a harder game to coach there's a different level of expertise required and that middle tranche of counties and when i talk about middle tranche i'm talking about westmeath leash kildare you could potentially put Offaly into that mix as well and antrim oh. maybe antrim carlo all of those counties i can't for the life of me understand why the requisite level of funding is not being put aside to try and get at least three or four of those teams up to be able to compete at properly in McCarthy Cup level. Hurling needs to be treated as a special case. Far too often, and this wasn't something that was addressed last night, which I think is an important point to make. Sometimes the GA looks at hurling as, as hurling and football, and they look at hurling in the same way they look at football. You cannot have that as your starting premise. Hurling needs to be treated as a special case. It is clinging on, as Peter Fortune said last night on the show, in certain counties. That, to me, is danger. I mean, the government, in some ways, needs to understand and needs to potentially step in here with strategies around preserving what is, and that it's actually part of our national heritage. This is something that was inducted into the UNESCO um, Hall of Fame or whatever that, category was a couple of years back like the cultural value that the game provides the nation is you know like it's you're talking about something that's five thousand years old so to see it just as a sport and from the GA's perspective, to just categorise it as, oh, we'll have a hurling development committee, and we come up with this plan or that plan, to me that is just going around in circles and it's just an absolute guarantee of repetition of failure because that's what's effectively happened over the last 140 years and ultimately it ends up being left to, you know, people soldiering and ploughing lawn furrows in clubs and basically... It, People that are, you know, taking on sort of pilgrimage roles to try and keep the game alive. Do
1: you know what, though? I have never seen such a concerted approach by everybody involved in the game to want to make it better. Like, Shane, one thing that I think Hurling is so unique in is that the people who have 9, 10 All-Ireland medals, the people who have no All-Ireland medals, who've been, you know, playing away in Division 4, Division 3, in the Ring, the Mar Cups, everybody is united in this. Whereas like in some other sports, if you took a Premier League footballer in England, let's say, and said, look, we're having a problem in League One or whatever, I don't think the investment or the opportunity is there for them to actually go and get their hands in it and do it. All the people involved in hurling want to go on the ground. They want to help. I'm listening to people like Anthony Daly talking on his podcast saying, how can I get out there? How can I be involved in this? People like Liam Sheedy, people like Donalogue Cusack. If people like Donalogue are speaking like this, Why is it that we can't just say, let's get a fundamental approach. Let's get enough people around the table. Let's put a strategy in place in all of these counties and let's do something about it. Because the goodwill is there, but yet we're having the same conversation we've been having for 10 years.
2: I think it's called incompetent people. That's, I can't, like, you have all these people talking about it, but the people that are in charge aren't seem to do anything about it. So as far as I'm concerned, it's incompetent. If if you have somebody in charge and they're not listening to anybody, I just don't like, you you know, you have to listen. You just have to listen. And if everybody, as you um, spoke about there, Jackie, mentioned all them people are continuously talking about it. Why can't something be done about it? And the only thing I'd I'd, like to add to Roy's mind is, yes, you need finance. You absolutely need money. No question. But it can't be all about money. Because you can get whatever amount of money that you want And you could give 10 million to all the clubs that are uh, county boards that Rory mentioned there. But some people, they they might have the right people in charge. So with with finance, you need support and you need accountability because, you know, money is important. You need to buy the equipment. You need to get the center of excellences. You need to be able to pay coaches and people and whatever else. Right. You have to be able to do that. But then you need support and you need accountability. And all from what I can see at the minute is that there is no support. Like, I don't know the answer to this question. Martin Fogarty finished up in 2021. Why was he not replaced? Is there an answer for that? Maybe I should know. He, he, hasn't been, yeah. he, he, he hasn't been replaced. So why has he not been replaced? Are they trying to save money? Because they're saying there's a cost to getting somebody else in. I love listening
1: to him. You well, know, he, but has, but what, what what him and party Butler had done previously to him was amazing. But it still is only a one-man show. It seems to me it's almost like... I was listening to Adrian Moran during the week, the Longford manager, talking about there being only three senior teams in Longford. And I was thinking, oh yeah, what about the intermediate and junior? Until he went on and said, there's no intermediate and junior clubs. And I was thinking, if there's 20 football clubs, how can there be zero hurling clubs in those places? So some of it is, yes, the likes of having these inspirational characters who come in there, Shane, and want people to play the game like what Martin would have done in places. But surely having the club there in the first place should be the first point.
2: And this is why we are, I once said it might be in, in my lifetime, right? But we are so far away from getting this thing even remotely close to right. But it has to start somewhere. And as you said there, why is there only 300 clubs? Like surely there should be more even more clubs than that. So if the first protocol is setting up more clubs in these counties and getting the competitiveness within the county first. That's why I said this thing could be twenty or thirty years away before we were, were potentially to see a Leitrim or Tremor Longford or a Loud or whatever competing in in, in hurling. And do you know what? It may never get there. They may never become Lee McCarthy due to population, whatever else. But support and finance have to be given to at least to try.
1: Mm-hmm. It
2: has. If somebody has to go and try these things, and I the, I, I I remember when they were talking. And um, remember they they tried to change a slitter. And they mm-hmm. put the, the, the chip in the slitter, or whatever, right? The committee that was set up for that slitter, Brendan Cummins was it, right? Goalkeeper, hooked God knows many thousand balls in his life. He would have been, as I would call it, the right person to be involved in that because he has plenty of experience in talking about slitters. So if, if um, groups need to be set up to do this thing, right? Rather than us all talking about it, I'm sure people only love to help out if there was proper groups set up to go after this thing with the proper people. So Brendan Cummins, in that scenario, is the proper person to be put into that, into that group. Go ahead and get proper people. People will, will will gladly do it voluntarily and support. But people at the very, very top, first of all, need to realize that they need help and they need support to get this thing right.
0: And I think Shane, like it's Shane mentioned there about the right people being involved and having the right motive and having the right ambition. There is also the very real possibility and more probability that there are certain counties that don't want hurling, that don't actually want the game to thrive. They don't want to invest in it. They don't want to be seen to waste money and are quite happy to be classed as a football county. And I don't know how you address that. That's a cultural thing. That's going to be very, very difficult to shift. Is it true? Maybe you incentivize in a financial sense if you make progress or do you penalize? That, to me, would be the obvious starting point on that, on that side of things. But it will require a task force. It will also require a breaking down of the old order. The very notion, like he mentioned it last night, Peter Fortune, and I think this is something that will have to come onto the agenda. The fact there's only three hurling clubs in Louth, they can't play a championship with three clubs. So the, the old county boundaries that are strangling hurling to a certain extent, need to be done away with. If Lowe's, Mead and Arama all come together to play uh, in, a, in a hurling league or a hurling championship, what's wrong with that? Don't Cusack, uh, many moons ago, made the point about the potential of having an amalgamated team representing Ulster that could compete at Liam McCarthy cup level. Didn't get off, didn't know so much as get off the ground as an idea because we're shot down by vested interests. All of these things get poo-pooed with because they're radical and they're very much against the sort of conventional wisdom. But the conventional wisdom hasn't served us well. The game, as Peter mentioned last night, is dying in half the counties across the country.
1: Yeah. And like, it's such a brilliant game. Like, that's the thing, Shane. Like, let's finish up on this because the one thing is, we are it when it when it gets going and it's a show imagine if there was a hurling festival on all Ireland final weekend and you had the racker the ring the mar they were all there all the hurling people were there on one weekend and it was a spectacular sell to the world of this amazing thing it just it, it seems so simple in theory because when you watch it you know people would buy into this game and I thought Joe
2: um, Joe Foster was spot on last night when he said stuff like that, like all oh, Ireland hurling final weekend. Is it ever going to be a Super Bowl weekend? Of course, it's not going to be that. Mm. But for us here in Ireland, and 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 plenty of um, countries of now as well that have got many, uh, you know, relations and, and and knows what hurling is. They should all be, you know, this is all all, all Ireland weekend. Let's go to Ireland for this because this is uh, something special. And uh, but as you said, it sounds simple, but that's something that could be done if Easy. they if there was competent people in charge that would put their shoulder to the wheel and drive this thing, it should be a massive, massive weekend for us. And as you said there, it's like we all give back because I was brought up as a four, five and six year old walking down to the pier with my dad, you know, volunteers helping out. So when my time comes around like it is now, you you just want to give back. It's just a full circle. And it's, it, 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 it just means so much to everybody that's involved in the sport that when your time comes to play, you play. And when your time comes to give back, you give back. That's how I was rare I think it's how the majority of us are reared, and um, you know we're we're so lucky to be involved in it because the atmosphere, the, like as you said, the game itself. You you know finding out the league and whatever, but when you come into Monster Championship, you look oh. at the Monster Championship last year. Sure, it's it, it, it's what it's actually what keeps some of us going. Talk, talk,
0: going. talk about Netflix series. Well, imagine imagine one covering the Monster Championship. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, or even <laughs> imagine like uh, see this is the problem with the GA as well, right? If if somebody knocked on John Caudley's door and said, "Hey, can we do behind the scenes there? We'll have a Netflix documentary coming out." He'd run him a million miles, right? Because yeah. no, no, it's a GA thing. We're afraid to show anything. And if I was in his shoes, I'd do the same. But like. Why can a professional soccer team do it but an amateur GA can't? Can you imagine how much people would love to see behind the scenes of of, of, uh, teams? And this is all stuff that you'd love to just be thrown out there. And if you throw enough good things out there like that, some of them will stick. And we will come up with good ideas just to make it a bit more, uh, you know, better for people. But as I said, I'm just going to keep on using that word until there's competent people in charge. Uh, I think we'll be having the same conversation again this time next year.
1: Yeah, well, look we're not going to solve these issues today but it is encouraging to see people talking about it and I think that has to continue because this thing it's not going to solve itself it really isn't um, but we're going to have to leave it there for the week lads thoroughly enjoyed your company and looking forward to another bit of football at the weekend myself and Rory will be back on Thursday to look ahead to that one and Shane we'll see you in a couple of weeks enjoy the hurling enjoy fatherhood thanks a million for being with us
2: no problem thanks a mil.